The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. I'm your host for this evening, Spencer Hager. With me tonight, John Sestina, Craig Konstantinovich. John, how you doing out there, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's still sheltering in place, or you get out and about every once in a while? I'm building a bunker now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the right thing to do. Craig, how about yourself? Yeah, you know, it's a, another beautiful, lovely day here in good old Columbus, Ohio, and, you know, just trying to embrace the day and, you know, see what uh, see what may be coming out in front of us Not, here. So. Yeah, no, I was thinking of you, John. Uh, this feels like better than we deserve for a January day, so this is, uh, this is beautiful. But It is a beautiful day. Exactly. So, well, listeners, tonight is going to be pretty interesting. We're going to switch up the pace a little bit. A lot of times on these shows, we talk about ways to make your plan better, whether it's taxes, insurance, you name it. We're going to talk a little bit tonight instead about ways that the plan can go bad. And then we'll talk a little bit, at least at the end, on a high note of of ways to to not fall into those traps. So, John, I I always got to rely on your expertise a little bit, sir. I know you've been in the industry a little bit longer than I have. So when you think about financial plans or ways it can go bad fast, what what comes to mind to you? Well, the first thing is a person doesn't really have a plan. They don't have a financial plan. Mm -hmm. I I received a piece of literature today, and it was all about uh, it was for investment advisors who wanted to be doing financial planning. Guess what they talked about? How to pick stocks, how to do the that's not a financial plan and that's how people go broke because they get excited about a stock or a time of the year or whatever and they go full bore and they lose their money and they wonder what happened yeah that's a good point I even myself when I first started that's really all I boiled down financial planning to being is just investing way to get a higher return get ahead but that's a good point John it's far from just that when you think about financial planning oh it is a good financial planner will help you make more money through planning than through investing. It's hard to imagine until you go through the process, but Spencer, you've already seen, I'm sure, with the clients you're working on, that there's so many ways to save money for a client, make money for a client, have nothing to do with the investments. Yeah, well said. Craig, how about you? What comes to mind on your end? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing in, in my mind, like John said, hey, not having a plan. You know, you always have to have that in place, know where you're going, have that, you know, clear path to where you want to go and how you're going to get there. But the other piece is the people that you surround yourself with a lot of times have a lot of influence there. You know, we talk about a financial team that's put into place and that's making sure you've got a top-notch insurance agent, you know, a great uh, attorney of all sorts, an accountant, a good financial planner, possibly even an investment advisor to give you all of the advice that you need. But if you start getting some of those bad influences, maybe from those team members or maybe from like immediate family, friends, someone that can really start to spoil your mind, all of a sudden you may start to make some not so wise financial decisions, which ultimately could lead to the plan starting to implode or you not continuing to carry on those good habits you've started. So just getting used to that idea of, 
you know, hey, I, I know that I can't necessarily pick everyone I surround myself with, but I want to make sure I've got someone that is going to help me understand why I'm making the right or maybe the wrong decision and how best to adapt to things as life goes along. Well, that's why people who win the lotto, like you're going to do tonight, Greg, or, <laughs> or when these athletes get those huge bonuses and so forth, they're confused. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they this big chunk of money dumps on their lap, and they don't have no idea what to do with it, no idea how it's going to work, how much it's going to last, and so forth. And so they literally drown in this thing. And I always tell the story about a neighbor who won the lottery many years ago, and he took that money and blew it on a beautiful estate. I mean, it's wonderful, wood gated, you know, with a white fence all around it and barns and all like that. Except if you go buy it now, it's the fence is broken, the barns are cracked mm-hmm. because he blew all his money uh, on this estate. Plus, all those people who line up—that's what happens to the athletes a lot. All the friends and neighbors, you know. Hey, I'm Uncle George, and when you were a two-month-old baby. I gave you a football, and that's why you're a football star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, part of that comes back to education. You know, I, I know we've touched on it before, but one of the biggest gripes that a lot of us have is, at this point, personal finance is not a subject that's taught in a lot of high schools or even in a lot of school districts. Um, so if you're not getting that exposure or getting that education early on, you don't know what it means to have an interest rate. You know, what exactly is a credit card? How do I use that? If I need to take out student loans, what does that even look like? If you're not educating the consumer, you're going to ultimately create the consumer the opportunity to fail. But then on top of that, these professional athletes, just like you said, John, a lot of them come into this and they've been blessed with you know God-given talents. But at the end of the day, they don't know how to balance a checkbook. What is a checking account? What are investments? How is this, you know, in the case of NFL players, what is this NFL pension that I have? Um, so for all those reasons and more, it ends up becoming a big ball of wax, and that's why they just started to require financial coaching as part of the draft process. Yeah, see, you got me fired up a little bit there, Craig. I'm going to take a slight tangent. So uh, to that point, because I think we talk about the NFL players, the professional athletes, they're a pretty easy target. They get picked on a lot. And we'll talk about a couple stories, but you can really translate that down to ordinary people you know, uh, just living in your neighborhood, that it's the same lesson. So I was thinking about graduates, graduate students. So my girlfriend, I've said it before, I think on the show, she's currently in pharmacy school, warmed my heart a little bit. She had an elective that she could take that was for financial planning. It was also taught by a certified financial planner. But I was just thinking about that. It's the same idea. You go to school, you're living off student loans primarily for practically all your uh, adult life. And then you graduate, you're making potentially six figures. You don't know what to expect with the tax picture. You don't know what's going to come with the fixed payments. And that's kind of the value still with telling these stories about the professional athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, even on the student side, you know, now especially we're talking about student loan forgiveness. Well, if all of a sudden that's going to be forgiven, do I need to worry about taxes possibly? Do I need to understand, okay, if I'm not going to be making this substantial student loan payment, where is my money better to go? When is the right time to buy a house? You know, we've got separate radio shows on all of these topics that are available in our uh, podcast library or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, so by all means, take a look, listen in. But realistically, when we look at some of these bigger pictures, a lot of times debt, having that first big debt payment, that becomes a big obstacle to overcome. And once we don't have those required payments, all of a sudden we wonder, well, what am I going to do with this money? Do I just go out and spend it? Do I start to save it? What mindset should I have? 
And that's where just like John said from the very beginning, you have to have that plan in place. Otherwise, all of us are just kind of grasping at straws and hoping we're working in the right path. Exactly. Well said. All right. So I would be remiss if we mentioned professional athletes that many times without telling a couple of funny stories or not funny, but it'll uh, it'll pique your interest, I think. So I was reading through some stories of, of professionals who made a lot of money and unfortunately lost it. And the one that stuck out to me was Warren Sapp. So Warren Sapp, football player, said he made over $80 million during his career. It's a lot of money. By the time he filed for bankruptcy, it said uh, he had about $1,000 to his name, and some of the contents they removed from his home included a very expensive tennis shoe collection, but my personal favorite was a lion skin rug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a number of athletes out there. Like you said, NFL players, they tend to get picked on a little bit, but over 78% of NFL players are broke within the first five years after they retire or are no longer in the league. Um, so certainly it's not unwarranted, but you're right. There's plenty of share to go around. So another big name that came out that most of us are familiar with, Marion Jones. Uh, we may remember she was a five, Olymp a five Olympic gold medalist um, with a lot of the track and field events. So she came out and actually ended up going bankrupt, ended up going to jail in some instances because of some cash fraud uh, that she had committed. So no one is necessarily immune. Yeah, well said. Well, we are coming up on a hard break here, but when we come back, we're going to keep talking about some financial planning mistakes and try and tie it into something that may be a little bit more applicable to your plan. So uh, please come back to listen to the next segment. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. I am your host for the evening, Spencer Hager. Once again with me tonight, Craig Konstantinovich, John Sestina. I spent the first segment talking about some high-level or high-profile uh, individuals who've made some uh, financial mistakes in the past, a couple other things as well. But this segment, I want to try and dial it back from the high-profile individuals and think of a couple just fundamental mistakes you can make when starting up the financial plan. Uh, so we talked a little bit in the last one too, John, you did, about investing, why that's not necessarily the best thing you should be focusing on when trying to get the, the financial plan started. But Craig, outside of investing, what uh, what comes to mind for you with that? Well, I, I'm not going to pivot off of investing just <laughs> yet, just yet, because a lot of things are kind of baked into that. You know, again, to the average person, investing is, oh, that's just buying stocks and bonds, right? And then you start diving into it a little bit more and you start to understand it. But a lot of times people tend to focus too much on past performance. So, hey, Apple stock, I know it. I love it. I think it's a great opportunity. Historically, it's done great. And that's where they stop their analysis. So if that's all that you're going to be looking at, you're looking in the rearview mirror. I know everyone knows the old saying, hindsight's 2020, but definitely if we think back to 2020, let's hope that it's not all the same. But um, in this case, at least, past performance is not indicative of future results. So you can't focus just on past performance and expect to say, oh, this stock historically has done well. It's likely to continue to do well. That, that's just not how it works. You could have. That's what's disconcerting about all these TV ads you see. Mm -hmm. you know, they've got all these little devices now, and you go to their website, and they give you 50,000 views of something, and can uh, do research, and blah, blah, blah. 
it makes you think that all that past information is the secret to your success. Right. And we see a lot of people who, you know, it's sad, but Americans seem to be drawn into all this glitz. And so they go the direction of investing. They go to the direction of whatever the newest toy is out there on the web. <laughs> and you'll listen to these guys, you hear, even on commercials, on the television and the radio, the primary discussion is, is your portfolio positioned correctly? Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the primary question. So financial planning is an art in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was thinking about this, too. The main thing I always think of on the subject is it ties in kind of the last segment, but it applies to everyone. It's just the idea of not living within your means. I always think of what you preach, John, about ideally, if you're going to go make a big purchase or, or any purchase, ideally, you should have the cash in the bank or some f- form of savings that could cover the bill if it came due at any given point in time. And I think a lot of people just get caught up and they start taking on consumer debt, things they don't necessarily necessarily need when they don't have the cash in the bank to pay off the bill tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, if you don't have the cash to pay for it, especially, th- I mean, goodness, things like uh, taking your kid to Disneyland or Disney World, whichever one is open these days, and uh, all those other little things, uh, you don't, you don't want to go borrow money to do these uh, touchy-feely, emotional things. I mean, there's if you do well with your money, you learn a discipline for your life. And that's a big deal because you learn that discipline, you'll succeed not only with your money, but hopefully in your life. Yeah, well said. And, and the other piece, too, I know we spent you know pretty much a good chunk of this show already talking about investing. But knowing financial planning is so far beyond that, in my mind, one of the biggest areas or one of the biggest mistakes is not reviewing your insurance coverage. I mean – you talk about something very basic like your auto insurance. Right now there's advertisements all over, you know, TV, all over radio, all sorts of mailings that we're getting. Oh, we can lower your rates. Oh, here we can get you the lowest premium. But no one actually stops to think, okay, well, if I'm looking at my auto insurance, what is it that I'm actually trying to protect myself from? And remember, insurance is meant to be taking the risk off of you that you're not comfortable taking. So yeah, your deductibles may need to be increased. You may need to adjust your coverage because if, God forbid, that fateful accident happens and you're at fault for it, the last thing you want to do is have a lawsuit put against you. And now all of a sudden you have to give all of your investments away. You have to you know, give cash away, future earnings. That can be a huge mistake. But a lot of people just kind of bury their head in the sand and say, I don't know, I'm paying 20 bucks a month. And to me, that seems reasonable. So I, I think I'm good. Right. And they don't even consider things like. Uh, super liability. Mm-hmm. A good example we just read was uh, most people on their car insurance have about a half million dollars liability or on your home. And so your son's uh, buddy comes over, trips on a route, falls on the concrete, breaks his back, and is now paralyzed. Guess how much he's going to sue you for? Oh, a million bucks at least. Exactly. I mean, that's a minimal amount. Well, your homeowners won't cover that. Your car won't cover that, whatever the case may be. And so you need umbrella insurance. Now, that's not an umbrella you buy at the store, guys. (laughs) Okay? This is umbrella means it picks up on liability, not on on the uh, car or the house, but liability for where your house and your car leave off. So, you know, exploring the insurance has unbelievable ramifications in your financial plan. 
Yeah, and not even just the the auto and the home, but even looking at life insurance or not having disability insurance. I mean, I know we've got several shows just on those very topics, but again, burying your head in your in the sand and just passing it off, saying I think I'm in an okay spot, but not actually understanding why. That that's a huge mistake to make. Yeah, that's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's what we're kind of driving at: is get the fundamentals down before you <laughs> fixate on investing too much. I mean. Life insurance, auto, home, umbrella, those are all crucial before you get fixated on the investing side of things. Um, yeah, and I mean, even outside of the investing or inside of, outside of insurance, I, I've never been shy about it. In fact, I love the story knowing where it got me, but not having an estate plan in place. You know, I, I always brag about how I'm a product of good financial planning, thankfully, because my parents had a plan in place. They had their estate plan updated. Um, but more and more, we're seeing people saying, hey, you know what, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm invincible. I'm young. I'm healthy. I don't see a need for that at this point. And they think they need to start drafting that up just days or moments before that fateful time comes. And realistically, a good estate plan, it should be boring. You shouldn't have any issues looking at it because you then know, hey, God forbid something happens to me, I'm going to leave, you know, X number of dollars behind for my kiddos, for, for my spouse, for whatever the case may be. And you get that peace of mind factor knowing, you know what, it wasn't fun. It wasn't easy necessarily to get everything done, but I know that God forbid I'm not here. Someone's going to be there to carry the torch. Right. And, you know, expanding that thought process, if you look at debt compared to investments, people are out there, they're rushing to do investing. So they're going to go buy something that pays them 8%. But they have a credit card debt of 18% after taxes, and they think that that's okay. Well, you know, you could pay down that 18%, and that's like investing at 18% after taxes. So if you have credit card debt, I'm going to spank you, so don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Easy. It's part of the balancing that takes place in financial planning. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how how do you know how much insurance you need? Well, that's the financial plan. Well, I'm going to just buy what the insurance guy tells me. Well, that may not be the best approach for you. You have to figure out how much and what kind and who should be insured. Should your spouse be insured? Do you have to be insured? What about kids? You know, uh, you guys are too young yet to have kids, but when you have kids, <laughs> people are going to be bugging you about, listen, you got to buy life insurance on your children after all. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they're two months old, and you, they want you to buy, you know, $100,000. That's pretty silly because that won't buy anything. Yeah, By the yeah. time they're old enough to be married or whatever they're doing, they're going to need millions of insurance if inflation continues at all. So you can't be you can't be misled. It's got to be coordinated. Yep, well said, John. And I do want to make one more point on the insurance when we get back from this uh, upcoming break here. So please stick around. You're listening to Managing and Be Wealthy on six ten WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. You're listening to me, your host, Spencer Hager. With me tonight, Craig Konstantinovich, John Sestino. We're talking a lot about financial mistakes that are commonly made. Uh, But real quick, just wanted to remind the listeners, if you're listening to what we're talking about, it's piquing your interest, you maybe want to find out more, spend some time talking to one of our financial planners, you can visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. Click on Take Action at the bottom of the page. 
quick and painless. You can set up a time complimentary hour meeting with one of us and get to tell us a little bit more about your plan and and bounce some ideas off of us. And I'm sure we'll give you a couple back. So, uh, yeah, but on this one, I I did want to make one point really quickly on the last segment, what we were talking about. Craig, when you made the comment about the estate planning and kind of the luxury of being young and healthy today, I would tie that into the life insurance too. A lot of people, sometimes they just get comfortable knowing that they've got a lot of insurance through work and that's all they do. Uh, Just a reminder that if something changes with your life, God forbid, that would maybe make you uninsurable or at least uh, less likely to get insurance. That's a reason to maybe consider getting a personal policy as well, something that's not tied to your employer. I know Stephen, when he's hosted, he's talked quite a bit about that, but that's another big consideration to keep in mind as well. So, On what if your employer lets you go? That's another good point. Employer doesn't have insurance at all. That's another big consideration. Yeah, that's a very good point, especially given uh, the way 2020 turned out. So, yeah. well, well, even now there are people who are walking into their jobs and they have a you know a meeting, and the boss says, "Okay, guys, we're going to cut your time in half and your pay in half." Whoa, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all those stories, there's all those situations, and the other piece of the puzzle too is. Even if you've been with an employer, even if you are still working, you never know. You may take a look at it and, you know, you may be, you know, getting up there in age, maybe 50, 60 years old. Careful, closer. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I said just getting up there. I never said you reached the peak by any means. Um, but as soon as you start to, you know, get a little bit older for some of those group term coverages, you may start to be paying far more than you should be for coverage you may be better off getting a personal policy. So again, make sure you're looking at that each year and really understanding, not just per paycheck, because that dollar amount is gonna look very insignificant. But if you look at it over the actual year, you know, all of a sudden, four or five dollars per pay could quickly start to add up to, you know, five, six, ten dollars per pay. You look at that over the course of the year, you're paying almost two grand for life insurance that number one, you may not need, but number two, you may be better off getting a term policy personally and maybe paying half that per year so make sure you're taking a look at those things too you know what i hope we're demonstrating here is all these questions and all these thoughts and all these combinations represent why you need a financial planner Mm -hmm. and a fee-only planner someone who doesn't sell anything is likely to give you straight information on all the stuff you have you know and we're a little annoying in our practice because we demand that the client give us all the data regarding their lives (laughs) Not tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't trust them, but we verify. And so you want to see all this stuff because so many, so many things are not what the client thinks they are. And uh, you know, second marriages. There's uh, the previous wife is still uh, the beneficiary of the life policy, or maybe even Mama is. Mm-hmm. Or you know, get a new good dog, Craig. I know you might name your <laughs> dog as beneficiary. <laughs> I've thought about it. Don't get me wrong, John. I still got, still have my wife Livy first, but. Uh, Bodhi is now secondary, the contingent. (laughs) (laughs) No, all good points. So I am going to switch it a little bit on the topic here. So another big one people think about is what to do if you get an atypical windfall. And kind of like we, or like I had mentioned with the, uh, with these topics, when it was the uh, people blowing money, we all targeted the NFL players. And a lot of times when you think of an atypical windfall, it's always lottery. Lottery. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jinx, you owe me a soda. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Lottery, maybe you're 
unfortunately, one of those people who receives a large life insurance payout. But what if you're someone who owns a lot of stock in a private company that you're fortunate enough they get sold, they go public, and you just got a huge payout? You know, John, Craig, either or, jump in. What are kind of the first steps you think of uh, of ways to address that when you get a huge windfall? Yeah, so the first thing is, it, you know, it all it will always come back to this, but the first thing is understanding that with this new windfall, means your plan as you had prepared it before is dramatically different than it is today. So when you look at those things, you still need to take the time to reassess the plan, confirm what your goals are, determine what your lifestyle looks like. But oh, too often people get those kind of windfalls and they immediately make life-changing decisions, whether that's retiring, whether that's changing their employment, buying the big house. I mean, all the points that John had talked about earlier, there's a lot of those instances where people get the money, don't think about it, and just start spending before actually understanding what's the cost of continuing to own some of those things that they're purchasing. Well, and coming into a windfall like the lotto, that's a kind of a separate thing. When you, If you should win, the last thing you want to do is present yourself on a TV camera letting the whole world see you <laughs> just won $50 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you can't believe the onslaught you will have. So... You'd, you have to consider, first of all, having somebody else go get the money for you. So you create a blind trust. That means you're going to go to an attorney. The attorney is going to create this trust, which will protect you so no one knows it's you. That's a big deal. You have no idea the pressure that could come up on you. So you want to set that up. But same thing if you have a, an automobile accident and people read it in the headlines. and You have a settlement of uh, $12 million. Same difference. You've got to be prepared for the onslaught, and that's something people aren't expecting when they come into the money. They're just so excited about it, they want to buy a new pair of tennis shoes. <laughs> I am maybe a little bit more than a new pair of tennis shoes, but yeah, I, I get the idea, John. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I hope this doesn't sound like too much of a conflict of interest, but to your point, John, I think if you do fall into a, an atypical windfall, that is the number one uh prompt to go find a financial advisor, someone who's going to look over your shoulder and maybe rein you in a little bit and and point you in the right direction before you start spending it a little bit irrationally. You know, if you do win that $50 million lottery, I'm, I'm sure someone may go buy a new car, you name it. It's, you know, possibilities are endless. Yeah. And, and again, depending on the dollar amount, I know that is all subjective here, but no, again, reassessing the plan. What estate taxes do I have to worry about? Am I going to set up not just my family, but my children's children with their financial livelihood? What does that look like? Am I going to have family members coming to me talking about investing in their hot new business idea? You know, just like we talked about with people coming out of the woodwork, it's not always going to be just, hey, give me a handout. It's going to be, oh, I've got this great investment idea. I've got this great opportunity. It's can't miss. Well, and then all of a sudden you miss. And if you do that, you know, 10, 20, 50 times, you're talking about $100,000 a pop or whatever the number may be, It's that money doesn't last forever. It's going to stop at some point or it's going to run out. And you have to figure out, am I still sustainable, not just for my current lifestyle, but for whatever else I may decide I want to do. And that's the thing. When you come into all this money, you pretty soon realize, well, I have to do something with it. And some people become you know, instant entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. And they look for businesses to buy or invest in. And I can't tell you the number of crazy things I've seen. Even this week, I have a person who's talking to me about a company he wants to buy, and it doesn't fit his goals at all. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You've got to start with what are your goals and does it fit? It's kind of like when we used to use the investment triangle. 
and we said you put this much money at this level and so forth, well, you be, you disqualify by the fact that you put in a higher percentage of your money than the triangle permits. That's the same thing here. You can't just run around. I mean, how smart were you before about <laughs> businesses? <laughs> Come on. <If> you <laughs> right. don't have a business, and you're going to go on and decide to evaluate one now? Uh, watch <laughs> out for the embossed portfolios. They will always take you down. Yep, good point as always, John. That was a good way to end out the segment here. So we are coming up on another hard break, but when you come back, we'll uh, we'll expand upon this a little bit more. So you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. I am your host, Spencer Hager. With me this evening, Craig Konstantinovich, John Sestina. All three of us are certified financial planners. We spent a lot of time this show talking about some mistakes people make, what wrong things you can do with an atypical windfall. I want to try and end it on a high note, though. Let's talk a little bit about the fundamentals, ways people can avoid these mistakes. So first one, it's easy. I'll, I'll open up with the easy one and make John and Craig do the, the harder stuff. But Heavy lifting. I got <laughs> Exactly. You. We always say it. Uh, make sure you're tracking the living expenses. Know what's coming out of your bank accounts. And also have that cash reserve. I'm sure we say it almost every show, but those are really the main two things you got to start with before you get too caught up in anything else. Yeah, your perspective on your cash is really critical. You've got to see it as like your blood in your veins. You know, you're, It's what's making everything happen. And so when this money comes in, you direct how it's going to help or hurt. If you don't pay any attention to it, then you develop high blood pressure and other problems. So you have to pay attention and then you want to direct it positively. Don't look at cash flow as a negative, you know, oh, no, I can't do this, I can't do that. Rather look at it as how do I want to proceed? If you're goal-oriented, you're always talking about, well, I want to you know, lose weight or I want to lift 500 pounds or whatever you want to do. And so you set goals and targets and so forth to get there, and you feel so good as you move along that path. Same thing is true here with your cash. It's your lifeblood as far as your financial plan is concerned. I was going to say, John's talking about lifting 500 pounds. I'm happy with like 200 at this point. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, uh, I used to leg press 1,000 pounds, Craig. <laughs> You're a better man than I, John. Yeah, you got a picture of that, John? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. They they took one or not in the gym. Oh, well, we, we may have to figure that out, but no, you're exactly right. Cash flow and, and understanding that, and the other piece too. And I know we've we've mentioned this previously, but knowing that we are coming, hopefully, knock on wood, out of this pandemic, everything going on. I hope this, if nothing else, I hope people learn the importance of having this cash reserve because ninety percent of the people that were either laid off or furloughed or whatever the case may be, they had no anticipation of that happening. And knowing that the average American right now has about $1,000 in their savings account, I would argue that now more than ever, we need to take a broader look at how much cash we need to have on hand. The old rule of thumb has been about three to six months. Well, we are coming up on you know the whopping 11 months of being in the midst of this thing. Some people still aren't back to work. So maybe you do want to look at maybe a 9, 10, 12-month cash reserve. But again, it all comes back to your comfort level. So make sure you know that. But then the other big piece to make sure that you're successful, 
John, you had talked about paying down credit card debt. At the same time, make sure you're paying yourself first. If you've yep. got that 401k at work, if you've got those retirement accounts, put some money towards those, even if it's just enough to get any kind of employer match or free money, just to get something working for you. And then allocate the other savings or the other cash flow towards some of your other goals. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was thinking about that too, just that income cycle, John, that you always talk about. It's so quick when you have these conversations when your income comes in and then it's taxes, rent, insurance, you know, food, you name it. It's that's a really good point, Craig, to to save first, pay yourself first. And uh, another thing with the heat, uh, with the uh, cash reserve too, I was thinking about and this uh, last year caused me to take a trip down memory lane being a the youngest one on the show here, um, thinking about a lot of people keep their cash reserve or at least a portion of it in a home equity line of credit. People just want to pay down debt as quick as possible, keep as little cash in the bank as possible. Uh, but I honestly, I, I wasn't around for it. I forgot, you know, in 08, 09, well, some of those banks really were freezing the home equity lines. All of a sudden, you could have 30000 40000 in credit just not available anymore. It's a scary thought. Yeah, having debt as a backup or debt is not a good idea. So you, what, we, you want this to be solid. It's called cash reserve. It's not cash maybe. And so it has to be a cash reserve, not a home equity line of credit or something else like that. It has to be solid. Yep. Yeah. And then on top of that, too, again, I know we had talked to, or I had just mentioned paying yourself first, but also look at what tax diversity you have. And I'm not just talking about, hey, what kind of money am I putting or how am I uh, saving right now? Am I putting towards a pre-tax 401k? Am I putting money towards a Roth IRA? But understand that when you're doing that, you're also creating an opportunity for tax diversity when you take the money out. So if you're looking at maybe buying a house in 10 years, well, maybe you, you shouldn't be putting all of your eggs into the 401k because there may be loans which require interest to be repaid. There may be penalties. There may be those kind of things. But if you were to invest in an after-tax or a taxable bucket, that may be a more prudent way to save because you could get access to that and just pay capital gains taxes, not even ordinary income taxes in most instances. And that is typically, you know, about 15% versus our marginal tax rates can go all the way up to almost 40%. So well, That's true, but remember, the, we may be running into a tax law change we might eliminate be. that benefit. You're right. Yep. But again, as we sit here today, at least that's the current tax law that we have in place. So, um, but yeah, there's there's those kind of things, and then also make sure that you know you understand, you know, if we if you're fortunate enough to have a pension plan, maybe you do have some social security benefits that you accumulated working early on in your lifetime. There's a lot of uh, misnomers about when you are and are not eligible for social security benefits. So make sure if you are one of those fortunate fools, as we say, hey, that you're able to understand what that may look like. Yeah, you may not get 100% of the social security benefits, but 50% of something is better than 0% of nothing. <laughs> fortunate fool. I like that one. <laughs> I'll remember that. So, But that is a good point, Craig, because I do feel like sometimes when we get into these topics, it almost becomes a little bit straightforward, you know, pay down the debt, get the cash reserve. If you have a 401k or some sort of retirement plan through work and they offer a match, make sure you're taking advantage of that. But that is kind of when you have to take it to the next step and really start evaluating what are the best savings tools for you, whether it's a Roth IRA, if you're one of the fortunate fools who can contribute towards that or uh, or another account. So that's a really good point. I'll uh, take that cent royalty that you owe me now, Spence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, there, there's those kind of things. And then the other thing, you know, we, we talked about consumer debt or credit card debt, John, you had mentioned, hey, if you've got 18% on a credit card right now, number one, you're pretty lucky because that's a relatively low rate, all things considered. But yeah. number two, when you borrow money, borrow with purpose. Don't just go out and apply for a credit card because, yeah, I think I could use some of the rewards. If you're not going to utilize the rewards or if you're not going to be able to pay that card off regularly, you're probably overextending yourself, living beyond your means and creating a bad debt cycle where now you're going to end up making more towards required payments than being able to put away towards your other goals. Right. I know a lot of people and, you know, it's always nice to talk about what to do with uh, with the cash beginning, but I know uh, more than enough people, and thankfully I do, that have more cash than they know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's an, another reason why uh, meet with a financial advisor, honestly. I mean, we've talked about it, but if you're just storing up a, a bunch of cash, you're already putting a lot into the 401k, you're, you've got the cash reserve, don't just go spending it or throwing it in some random account aimlessly just to tell yourself it's not in a bank account. You know, there's a lot of good opportunities you have with the just a lot of excess cash. Yeah. And, and remember, if you have made some of these mistakes that we've touched on, that's not the end of the world. There is always an opportunity to address it and prepare, but you got to make sure that you're ready and able to actually get in, work with a professional, figure out the best plan to start attacking some of those things or correcting some of those mistakes. So if we don't necessarily get to that point, or if you're just continuing to hide behind the fact that, yeah, I made a mistake, I don't know what to do, yeah, you may never be able to get out of it. So talk to someone, work with someone, and get prepared to correct those mistakes. Yep, exactly. Well, it went by quick. It's always fun as always. Uh, I hope everyone got a, a good tidbit out of this, but please come back next time you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN.